guys and welcome to Pros Before Hoes, the podcast where we talk about what we're thinking, drinking and reading. What what are you drinking this week, Al? Talk to me. I am drinking courtesy of Paparaz again. Brewdogs Lone Wolf Cloudy Lemon Gin. Your dad is like the number one sponsor of the alcohol segment of this podcast. He, he is. We don't deserve him. We really don't. Keep up the good work, dad. It's much appreciated. Also, if anybody else would like to gift us some alcohol so that we can talk about it on an episode, we're not stopping you. You know, I'm just being really supportive to everybody doing Sober October. I personally will not be doing Sober October because I'm not a crazy person. It's okay if you're doing Sober October to, like, raise lots of money. I mean, it's also okay to do Sober October if you just want to do Sober October. No, but if you're doing Sober October, you should be raising money. Because if you're just doing it because you can do it... That's well impressive. People will give you money. So you may as well, two birds, one stone. That is very true. I just feel like the state of the world right now. I need... I need... The people that did dry January. They are <laughs> full of regret. <laughs> oh, dear. I've also... Yeah, so I'm doing... Doing one for the uh, the sober October people. The teetotalers. And I'm having seed lip uh, with my tonic. Does it taste like gin? Or does it just taste botanical? I would say it tastes botanical rather than... It doesn't have the kick of alcohol. Okay, does Seed Lip also do alcohol, though? No. They just do non-alcoholic. They just do non-alcoholic spirits. But what's the company that has the swan? Is Seed Lip not the swan? I feel like we sound like crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) They had a really good advert, and it was kind of like animation, a bit like Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, no, that's uh, that's Sipsmith. Wait, and what's this? Seed Lip. Ah, uh, okay. Well, you would forgive me. Camilla, for, for the listener, Camilla just picked up my phone, looked at all my notifications, scowled, and then went to put the phone back. I don't know what she saw. No, I've just seen our landlord be like, what's your address? Because um, our toilet's leaking and there's an <laughs> alarm that's been going off for three days. So Ellen and I, as you can see, this is... No, don't ruin these. These are going to be my things. Oh, I'm so sorry. More on that later. <laughs> what a what a tease. What a tease. Yeah, so I'm I'm having seed lip and also I when I went to go get tonic after my run, came across a mystery Fanta. It's a blue Fanta. The flavour is Shakata and the label is upside down on the bottom. And there are daisies. So I don't know what the flavour is. I'm super hyped for this. But Ellen and I are gonna live for your listening pleasure. Try this mystery Shakata Fanta that I found at and a it's newsy. a blue bottle, but I don't think it's blue, is it? No, it's like cloudy. It looks like cloudy lemonade. You Ooh, ready? What does it smell like? Come on, let's do it properly. I think lychee. I was just about to say lychee. Yeah, that's definitely lychee. Oh, wait. It's so it, behind the flowers, there's a... A lemon. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes that sense. That is really nice. It's... You know what that would be really nice with? Vodka. That would be really good with vodka. Well, there you go. There's one thing we've liked this week is lychee Fanta. Shakata. If Should any... we Google what Shakata means? Yeah, what if it's do. not lychee? Oh my god. What? It's not lychee. Is it lemon? Lemon and elderflower. Lemon and elderflower, that does make sense. And I couldn't really taste the elderflower now. Yeah, now you've said it. Well, there you go. Thank you for joining <laughs> us on our little excursion to find out what <laughs> what flavour blue Fanta is. Would it's recommend. A... Oh my god! Elderflowers and lemon! We are blind and dumb. Um, wow, that's embarrassing. Segwaying seamlessly into uh, what, what you've been up to, what you've what you been enjoying. Autumn is here. We've had a lot of lovely, warm, sunny weather. But now 
move over. It's turtleneck season, baby. It's time for bright blue skies, a chill in the air, the warmth of the sun, apricity. I think we've spoken about this before. We have discussed apricity. Crunching leaves under your feet, conkers. It's here, baby, and I'm here for it. I am going to be dressing like it's autumn slash winter from now on, regardless of the temperature. I'm pretty sure it was like 19 degrees today. Was it? Yeah, it was meant to be 19 degrees today. That makes sense why in leggings, a hoodie and that big fleece, Mm. I was warm. I went running in my winter running outfit and let me tell you what, sweaty. I actually, I had a really lovely weekend. I drank a lot. (laughs) Continuing that theme. (laughs) Went to a boozy brunch on Saturday. Um, and then went for a boozy after brunch drinks and then went for boozy pre-dinner drinks, then had a boozy dinner, then had some more alcohol. Yeah. Camilla was absolutely wrecked. <laughs> Can confirm for the listener. Absolutely smashed. <laughs> Elle often has to put up with me coming home not that late. <laughs> yeah, it's never that late. <laughs> but quite drunk and just talking at her for like an hour. And then I come back up the next day and I try to retell her everything that yeah. I told her the night before because I can't remember that I've told her. Mm-hmm. But did I tell you that I thought I met the love of my life at the Sun Tavern? And um, I really probably shouldn't say this on anything because he might well hear this. He's definitely not going to be listening to <laughs> But he was one of the waiters and I think, I think he's the love of my life. And he came over at one point and there was a song playing in the background. It was just like, if you listen... It sounds like they're going, salami, <laughs> for the chorus. What was the song? I actually don't know what the song was. <laughs> but he just said that and then took our drinks and walked away. No context. And I just looked at Giselle and I went, I think that man is the love of my life. And Giselle was like, I think he's just you if you were a man. <laughs> also fair. But he works there. Oh, so you're guaranteed to see him again. Oh, yeah. We also went back after dinner. <laughs> Not to, just to see I him. I didn't realise you were at the sun. Yeah. I'd have been more invested. The sun, no, but the sun in Hackney, not the sun. Oh, the so Commonwealth. you might not see him again. Unless I go back there. But you understand my excitement at the sun around the corner from us. But it's nice. I think there's small joy and promise when you encounter somebody and you're like, there is love in this world and we could have had it. We won't because happenstance and circumstance means that we've not, you know, exchanged numbers in this particular instance. But, you know, I don't know. I, I like it. I'm like, you could fall in love with anybody at any moment and it's just there waiting to happen. I find I... that comforting, even though I am alone at the moment. I... <laughs> She's fine, though, guys. She's absolutely fine. Doing great. I also, and I'm so sorry because I am going to hell for this, but at least it's warm there. I really enjoyed uh, Enola Holmes, the movie. Elle looks like she's about to murder me. Camilla really did me dirty. <laughs> Camilla sent me on Twitter the trailer what's it even called now? Enola Holmes. I don't want to know anything about it. But she sent me the trailer for it on Twitter and we were like, oh, and then. Look, I wanted to have a night in and I wanted to watch it with some stir fry. And I did that. And I'm sorry, but it was very good and you should watch it. And I'm, so should the rest of you. I won't be watching it now. Wow. <laughs> I think Henry Cavill and Sam Claflin are going to take that personally. <laughs> It'd be good if they did. Maybe they'd reach out. Maybe we can go viral on Twitter for this feud. Two houses alike in dignity. <laughs> One house, I like one, one house. Now for judging a book by its cover. So in this segment, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a book one of us hasn't read, which I know sounds slightly contradictory to the entire point of this podcast. But I promise we will be talking about things we have read afterwards. Um, in this section, one of us will have read a book, the other person won't have. The person who hasn't read the book has to guess the plot of the book on its cover alone. All right, Elle, what cover do you have for me this week? So I have 
Before the Coffee Gets Cold by... <sighs> I don't know why I do this to myself. <laughs> you do pick authors with quite difficult to pronounce names. Toshikazu? Yeah. Kawaguchi? Yeah, I think that was beautiful. You know what? I just think let's not overthink it. I think that sounded right. If anyone wants to send us a voice recording of somebody... Please, I would love to be educated. I really hate getting people's names wrong. The cover that Elle has given me is is half white, half blue, and it sort of looks like a room. And there is two tables and a chair, two cups of coffee, a lamp, and a little cat. I don't really like this cover. You don't like it? But that's not what we're discussing now. What we're discussing is what do I get from the cover. Oh my gosh, I picked it because I absolutely adore this cover. The blue part of the cover has like metallic, so it looks kind of like a floral metallic wallpaper. I don't like the furniture on the cover, (laughs) but I like the title. I really like the title. And actually one of my favourite jazz songs is called Coffee Cold. So it reminded me of that, which I enjoyed. And I had that smooth jazz playing in the back of my mind while I was looking at this cover. I think from this cover that it is a slow and quiet kind of book about a friendship. That's because there's two cups of coffee, cats signify friendship to me. Because <laughs> all my best friends are cats. Yeah, so like a kind book about a friendship, I think possibly between an old person and a young person, potentially between two old people. Or the cat is evil and it eats the owners so quickly after the owner dies that the coffee isn't even cold yet. Ah. Either way, I do think there are old people in this book. It's the decor. It's the, the look of the furniture, you know, and the cat looks eager in anticipation like it knows its owner will die soon and ready to be consumed lovely That's well you my... actually did more of a me reading then but then segued <laughs> yes so what what is this book about well it's a really good question and i'm gonna be honest with you guys it's like short stories or the chapters are short stories that you could read on their own but obviously they're all part of like a bigger book yeah i've only read the first one <laughs> it's a busy life my friends I'll read you the blurb. It's got like two blurbs. It's got the blurb on the back and then it's got this one. Oh, it's got a jacket blurb and a... Do they normally have both? I feel like usually... Sometimes the blurb on the back is like a quote. Well, this is an extract. Yeah, so normally you'll get like an extract on the back and then the jacket quote will be... like The the jacket blurb will be the actual blurb. Okay, I'm going to read you the the blurb blurb, which is the extract. Blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to read you the jacket blurb. Are you listening, Kazu continued. When you return to the past, you must drink the entire cup before the coffee goes cold. Oh, I don't actually like coffee that much. Kazu opened her eyes wider and brought her face an inch or so from the tip of Fumiko's nose. This is the one rule you have to absolutely obey, she said in a low voice. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Wow. And now to the second blurb. In a small back alley in Tokyo, there is a cafe which has been serving carefully brewed coffee for more than 100 years. But this coffee shop offers its customers a unique experience. The chance to travel back in time. (gasps) In Before the Coffee Gets Cold, we meet four visitors, each of whom is hoping to make use of the cafe's time-travelling offer in order to confront the lover who left them, receive a letter from their husband whose memory has begun to fade, see their sister one last time and meet the daughter they never got the chance to know. But the journey into the past does not come without risks. Customers must sit in a particular seat, they cannot leave the cafe and finally they must return to the present before the coffee gets cold. Toshikazu 
Kawaguchi's beautiful moving story explores the age-old question, what would you change if you could travel back in time? More importantly, who would you want to meet, maybe for one last time? Oh, I like that. That sounds interesting. It is really interesting. So it's a translation, obviously, from Japanese. Yeah. And whilst you definitely still get the tone and the essence of it, I can imagine that it is better, obviously, in Japanese. I feel like the translation alludes to, so you know the kind of tone it is, but if you read it in the mother tongue, it would maybe feel more rounded and homogenous. That is the difficulty, I think, with translations is... Obviously, it's so wonderful, 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 <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> so wonderful to be able to read books from different cultures, because it's one thing for an English writer to write about a different culture. It's another thing for somebody from another country to write about kind of life in their country without thinking about how it will translate it to English. Yeah. But it does mean that sometimes you read these books and you wonder if some of it has gotten lost. Well, that's the thing about translations, though, isn't it? Is a direct translation won't convey the same atmosphere and essence. Yeah. And so then you get into all those kind of ideas about, like, all those semantics Mm. of do you want to directly translate? Yeah. Because that's the, like, truth of it. Yeah. Or do you want to try and convey the same atmosphere and tone? But then that's far more subjective, so then you're very the translator becomes another author yeah then it's who has ownership over it there are just so many twists and turns that i think a translation can take and that's why it would be better if we all spoke multiple languages well that's the thing like i mean i'm sort of bilingual with danish and it is amazing when you are when you and talk. american and american yes <laughs> i do say ass <laughs> I'm yeah and I think growing up with another language to hand and certainly I spoke a lot more Danish when I was younger you do really understand the way that there are some things that just do not translate I mean I cannot explain to you how frustrating it was to watch that whole Hygge trend go around in publishing because <laughs> I was just like you are all trying to define something which the very essence of it is that it cannot be defined mm-hmm. um and it is that. So I always think it's interesting. But that sounds like a really lovely book. And I mean, what is, what's the writing like? What sort of style is it? Is it quite slow? Do you know what? So you got a little bit. But I'll read you the first para. Because again, I think it's going to be one of those things that you'll just understand more if you hear or read yeah. it yourself. So the first one is called The Lovers. And this is the one that I've actually read. <laughs> Oh gosh, is that the time? Sorry, I have to go. The man mumbled evasively as he stood up and reached for his bag. Eh? The woman said. She glared with uncertainty. She hadn't heard him say it was over, but he had called her, his girlfriend of three years, to come out for a serious conversation. And now he had suddenly announced that he was going to work in America and he was to leave immediately, in a few hours. Even without hearing those words, she knew now that the serious conversation was about breaking up. She knew now it was a mistake to have thought, to have hoped that the serious conversation might have included, will you marry me, for example. I like it. It's quite matter of fact. That's literally what I was going to say. It's very matter of fact. Yeah. And I feel like I always say this because this is what I like. But between the matter of factness of it, like in the cracks of that, lie like a whole wealth of emotions. And it's basically all about human connection and human relationships and how 
nuanced they are and the complexities of them, it's not really saying any of that. I mean, it's saying a bit of that, but more Yeah. what's between the lines. I do. It sounds interesting. I love magical realism. I've not baseline. read... I've really not read... I don't think I've read any magical realism. You have. You like Angela Carter. That's true. She's classic magical realism. I do love Angela Carter. Is she not more fairy tales? I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, she is, but yeah. she's she's magical realism because of like different bits of her writing, obviously different, but it's magical realism because essentially what is presented as kind of like ordinary or normal, yeah. but then there's other things going on. Yeah. Because oh. I was actually thinking, harking back to Watermelon Sugar, thinking in my head whether that counts as magical realism or not. And I think there's a case for it, yes, and a case for no. The first time I remember actively engaging with something just being phenomenal writing was Angela Carter's The Bloody Chamber. The first time I read something and like actively in my mind, I was like, oh my God, this writing is just, how do you see the world like that? Where you can just pick up on those details. I studied that at A-level and it's one of my copy of The Bloody Chamber is absolutely tattered and falling apart. And I'm definitely going to actually talk about it in a future app because it deserves its own it really really does going back to before the coffee gets cold it's easy to read but because because of the translation as well whilst it's easy to read a matter of fact you need to be attentive to it yeah you could easily read a page and actually not get anything from it because the writing isn't such that it's gonna like hook you yeah the writing is such that you need to be paying attention to not be missing anything yeah the quirks of it are really charming and endearing but it's not sappy and because they're different chapters that obviously make up a whole but you can read them as individually it's one that like I prove testament to you don't have to read all in one go L showing up prepared and ready as usual (laughs) (laughs) winging it is an art okay not one that I'm saying I've mastered but God loves a trier God does love a trier so I am talking about a book this week that I very much judged by its cover. I absolutely fell in love with the cover of this book and it's what made me... I don't even think I read what it was about on Amazon before I bought it. Yeah, so this is really interesting because I do not like this cover. <laughs> so what it is is it's um, True Story by Kate Reed Petty and it's a book cover with four other book covers. And when you read it, this is so clever. Oh, no, no, I can imagine that. And I don't actually dislike each of the covers. What I hate is... The wood on the back. Yeah, it looks like a cheap Ikea coffee table. Yeah, but I I don't know. I just... I really, really like it. I really, really like the cover. I think it's cool. I feel like you probably like the cover more once you've read it. Is that true? Well, I mean, I bought it based on the cover before I read it. No, but do you like the cover more? You understand the cover and that adds to... Yeah, that's that adds to I your thought. enjoyment of it. But yeah, essentially, it's it is a book cover with four different covers, four very different covers. One is like looks like a kind of horror. Mm-hmm. Another one looks like a kind of pop teenage princess high school thing. But like a dated, like very dated. Yeah, yeah. Another one looks like a kind of minimal art house. Thing. That one's appealing. The old like girly girl one is appealing if it's ironic. It is. It kind of is. Essentially, there are four books in one, which is why the cover makes sense. Okay. In that it is, it switches between four different narratives. You have Alice, who's a who's a, a young woman. You have Haley, who's another young woman. You have Nick, who's a a man who you kind of follow him through his life, and then you have the screenplays that Haley and Alice wrote 
when they were kids. Does it alternate throughout or yeah. is it one bit then another So bit? it alternates. It jumps back and forth between these narratives. You've also got some of Alice's college application essays marked up with notes. It's really, really interesting. Um, and I will read the blurb because I think I don't want to give it away because I would really recommend that everyone reads this book. It, it was actually, it's, it's a big book, but it was an easy read. After a college party, two boys drive a girl home, drunk and passed out in the back seat. Rumours spread around what they did to her, but later they'll tell the police a different version of events. Alice will never remember what truly happened. Her fracture runs deep, hidden beneath a cleverness and wry humour. Nick, a sensitive, misguided boy who stood by, will never forget. That's just the beginning of this extraordinary journey into memory, fear and self-betrayal. Through university applications, a terrifying abusive relationship, a fateful reckoning with addiction and a final mind-bending twist, Alice and Nick will take on different roles to each other, some real, some invented, until finally, brought face to face once again, the secret of that night is revealed. It's, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, it's, it, to be honest, it's actually not as heavy as it sounds. It sounds like really heavy content and obviously the subject matter is incredibly heavy. What it is, is it's a really subversive take on the conversations that we're used to having around sexual assault and it focuses not on, actually not on whether or not Alice's memory of what happened or lack thereof is true and it focuses more on the impact that that has on her life. It felt timely to me because we're in this age where with discussions around sexual assault, I feel like too much of the attention of those conversations is just... But is she telling the truth? Is she telling the truth? And I mean, I think as a woman, we all know she probably is because it's not something you lie about. It's not something that makes your life easier. It very often ruins women's lives when they make these claims. It, mm-hmm. They do it to seek justice, not to make their not lives better. Not even to seek justice, just to... Um, to stop it happening to other women, to... Also just yeah. to not carry it around. For Yeah, for a, for a variety of different reasons. It's... It kind of, the genre of this book equally jumps between four different genres. So some of it is written like a horror, some of it is written like a noir, some -hmm. of it is written like a kind of high school teen book. I mean, it's horrifying and it's heartwarming. And I think it really centers the importance of our narrative on the experience that we live and the way that, you know, sexual assault impacts somebody throughout their life. It's not something that happens to somebody and then goes away. I think also it really centers the experience of the victim and reminds us that they're not a martyr they're not somebody in a headline you know they're not an object they're humans who really go through you know if you've been through that it's something that sticks with you and it centers back on that experience instead of pulling away and treating them like yeah almost like an object to be stared at like a something in a museum i feel so often now when when women make public accusations about sexual assault they become the object of and that's very much what happens at the start and then it flips back around and you dive straight into the kind of long-term impact. Um, and there is a really great twist at the end and it kind of weaves through and you you don't really know what's happening until the very end, but it's it's just really good. It's really clever mm-hmm. and it's interesting. And I think it's always impressive when a writer makes you care more about feelings than truth. You're not, at no point in the book are you like, but did it happen? But did it happen? That's actually not but the focus. Feelings are truth. But I've th- got different kinds of truth in life, but yeah. no one could ever say that a feeling felt is a lie because it by virtue of existing can't be so a feeling felt is truth but that's a different kettle of fish to what has externally happened in the world but those two don't necessarily correlate no and i think there are some cases where whether or not it happened or not is not the most important question but how it made you feel is something that needs addressing more immediately 
people feeling upset or hurt by things and then what actually happened yeah. is such a tumultuous thing and within any kind of relationship if there's a discrepancy there there's always going to be problems and it doesn't it it doesn't matter how dramatic or minor that is yeah like obviously with regards to sexual assault that's like the far far spectrum yeah, of like of how hor- horrific it can be but i mean it does even extend to that when you have people who don't even realize that they've sexually assaulted somebody because they're on such a different pain and they've grown up with such a different comprehension of how their actions affect other people well that's why the conversation around consent exactly exactly starting young is so incredibly important but i think also you know i don't know growing up luckily i you know have a really lovely group of friends but there were definitely guys when i was younger who made jokes about sexual assault and who would make rape jokes and stuff like that and not putting two and two together about how that can impact people as well Mm -hmm. and how the stories and the narratives that we create around that can impact women can impact victims or can just you know make you feel unsafe because if you hear people joking about it and it happens to you how do you feel comfortable coming out with a serious statement on it if you know and that's why I think it's really important that people engage in in why it's not funny and also yeah and having those conversations around consent it's it's such a difficult thing to do you think this book is helpful towards that conversation or do you think it just runs parallel to and is a good book for different reasons i think it is a good reminder that victims are human and that the most devastating impact of sexual assault is the impact that it has on the victim and that psychological impact how would you say it engages with the idea of like and i'm putting adverse comments brokenness because what I find interesting is how the objectification of people when it comes to sexual assault, and I don't think it comes from a bad place necessarily, but people viewing people differently. I think a lot of the reasons why people don't talk about assault in general, but definitely with sexual assault, is that they, like, obviously it's horrible, but maybe they've dealt with it. Maybe they've got a handle on it. Maybe, like, it will always be with them, but they know what they're doing. But they don't want people to know because everyone's going to tilt their head and do the oh yeah and it'll tenor everything i think this book engages with that in a really interesting way because the way that alice finds out about her sexual assault or not is through other people Mm. like spreading rumors and making jokes around high school and that's why she believes something has happened to her and the impact that that has on the rest of her life and so she never really had the choice of telling people of anything she was told Mm. so it kind of flips it on its head so does she have no memory whatsoever none See, that's so interesting because then it's not really her truth. It's, I feel like so much it's like, oh, do you believe them? They're saying this. Oh, do you believe them? Maybe they're lying. Maybe they're, and all that unhelpful like conversation yeah. about maybe they're just one detention or blah, blah, blah. That's really interesting because how she emotionally deals with it is completely coming from other people. Yeah, essentially. Her understanding of what happened that night comes entirely from rumours and hearsay. So it's not even, like, flashbacks or anything like that? No, nothing like that. It is purely... That's why I think it's such a, such an interesting book because it completely removes that because you actually don't think throughout the book that you'll ever find out, so you're forced to engage instead with how it's impacted her. And I think, you know, she obviously... She has an incredibly difficult time dealing with it, as you would, and the way that she punishes herself almost i think it forces you to step out and be like no 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 like you you shouldn't be treating yourself badly because you believe that somebody did that to you which is obviously something we all believe but it was a stark reminder of it again like i said just the the real psychological impacts of it but taking away that question of oh but is she lying 
mantra of this podcast is no spoilers but if it's not coming from her is it a hundred percent that it that something has happened none of the leading narratives in this book are by people who were there and conscious on the night right okay the ending is interesting and are there different ways in which the rumors and the stories come out or is that not engaged with i'm just thinking about like like the genesis of it the book starts off with planting this seed of something might have happened there's been a rumor and then it kind of almost just ignores that and goes straight into her life okay and the impact and then it circles back to it at the very end and i'm not gonna i don't want to say anymore i just i think it's a really interesting book in the way that it engages with experience over truth and that's not to say that because in a way regardless of whether or not it happened the impact that it's had on alice has been so profound that it is true if people tell you and something enough or you hear yeah. something enough whether it's true or not it becomes a truth because of your experience yeah even if you don't remember the experience itself yeah no that's really really interesting so i would really recommend reading it and it's actually i think like i said it's in so many ways it's heartwarming the way that it dips into like a childhood friendship and then the way that she reckons with it and the kind of strength and and everything i think it's actually weirdly an uplifting but quite cathartic yeah i would definitely recommend it i really enjoyed enjoyed it and sped through it and also it's got a sick cover Mm. Elle's just being bitter because I didn't. Like uh, do you know what? Cover. Right. Do you know what I'd have liked more if instead of on every copy having all of them on the front, I'd like there to be a batch with one cover, a batch with another, so a batch with another. I, I think that would have been sick. I think that was what was done at some point. Cause, okay, because that's cool, and I rate that a lot. Yeah, because one of my um, a girl that I know who works at my old company said that she picked up something from the pulp pile, which was one of the covers. So I do think that was done as well, that this is... And maybe that was probably done close to publication. But yeah, anyway, true story, Kate Reed Petty, a really interesting discussion around sexual assault and the effect of it rather than the truth of it. Just an interesting take on that discussion. Diving in from that slightly heavy, but I hope not too depressing and hopeful take on a No, book. I'm intrigued. I want to read it now. Yeah into straight into what have we disliked my dislike is that suddenly in the flat there is this mystery sound that is like like shoes squeaking on a floor yeah and it's really audible in my room and for someone who goes through bouts of insomnia not ideal but more annoying was the fact that i didn't know where it was coming from that was driving around the bend but now camilla thinks she's got it i have identified the source of this sound which will slowly drive us insane unless the landlord comes and what it is is one of the alarms is basically run out of battery but it's really the, high the up. smoke alarm yeah i think it's a smoke alarm in, which is concerning on its own level <laughs> in the in the hallway not in our actual flat it's in, in the, the hallway. hallway it's so loud which is good because it's alerting us to the fact that we need to change the battery yeah, so also we can't anyway if 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 People could just not set our flat on fire until we get that replaced. That would be dandy. Looking at you. <laughs> me. Primarily me. If I could not set the flat on fire, that would be great. I do it's... have a tendency to accidentally set things on fire. I mean, I've never seen it. But it's happened. That's I... even more concerning. It happens when I'm alone. <laughs> yeah, that is worse. My dislike is that I watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which is a documentary about the attention economy. 
and mm-hmm. how our phones are essentially designed not our phones but social media is essentially designed to keep you on your phone and obviously like it was full of things that i already knew <laughs> like mm. it's all stuff we already know but it really drove home and there were some really horrifying statistics and it just made me really worried for like less so our generation like i do worry but to be honest most of my friends don't engage with social media in that way like they are quite passive about it like we post pictures i don't know maybe it's just my friends but i don't notice among our age groups i think we're kind of the last generation of people who know what it's like to exist without that augmentation of reality almost obviously i spend too much time scrolling on it sometimes but i wouldn't say that i think instagram has negatively impacted my mental health Obviously it could, but only if I decided that I wanted to follow yeah, if you really people that made me feel shit. Yeah, so I actively... So I just don't really understand why people do that. I actively don't follow anybody hot or successful. <laughs> Unless they're my friends, and then I'm just happy for them. Yeah, I was about to say, girl. Yeah. Like... <laughs> so what one of the things they recommended was turning off all your notifications. So I did that. And then I spent all morning checking my phone to see if I missed any <laughs> notifications. And I was like, there is a flaw here. I have notifications for messages because they'll be from people I actually want to talk to. Yeah, so what I did was I accidentally turned off the notifications for my messages and my WhatsApp. So I like it got to like three o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, I haven't gotten any texts or anything. And then I opened my phone and I'd missed loads of texts from people. Humble brag. I'm just, I'm incredibly popular. Um, <laughs> so turning off notifications for messages isn't going to work for me. But just turn notifications off for... That's what I've done now. The other stuff. That's what I've done now. I've turned them off for like social, all my social media. Yeah, and, and then everything. you can just check it like once or... Then it's like a little join nugget. Or, yeah. yeah, and you're like, oh, look, people have messaged me instead of being like waiting constantly. Yeah. Then I- also it gets rid of, and I know this is annoys you about me but i'm there in a crisis if you need me (laughs) basically it gets rid of that like oh you have to reply to things immediately if Mm. someone doesn't reply immediately then they don't give a shit about you it's like no if someone replies then i don't really have that though like i do reply quite quickly no i'm not saying that you do but i know it annoys you that i just don't well it's more when like i'm calling you and i need an answer to something immediately and then you just don't pick up (sighs) it's because i don't like you and on that note (laughs) how was your drink (laughs) Elle? I hope it was bitter. It was really nice. It didn't taste alcoholic, really. I mean, it's got a kick to it. But actually, that's what good alcohol should taste like. If I really want to know I'm drinking, I'll just have straight whiskey. (laughs) No, but I think a good whiskey doesn't taste alcoholic. It just tastes full of flavour. Yeah. I can't Um, afford whiskey that nice most of the time, so... My seed lip has actually been really nice. I, I've had seed lip before. Um, this is not So not basically it's cordial. I don't know. It's... You have to dilute it with tonic. Yeah. Yeah, you would definitely want to dilute it with tonic. But it's a bit spicier. It's not sweet. But that's like, a cordial can just be any, any yeah. vibe you want. It's really nice. I really liked it. So I recommend it. Seed lip. Could I... you... <laughs> okay, and guys, I don't have a problem. I'm just thinking, how can we zhuzh this up? C- could you add, add... gin? <laughs> You. could you buy shit okay so you're on a budget you're on a budget okay seed lip is not cheap it's like 20 quid for a bottle but you're gonna need less than you would gin so you buy cheap gin you buy seed lip you got a really nice gin for a lot less money maybe we could give that a try is that a hack the people at seed lip are like no that's not the point <laughs> kids could drink that yeah oh my gosh that'd be a great way to get your kid to like have a refined palate I mean, my kid's probably just going to eat mac and cheese and dirt, but... <laughs> Healthy. Grounded. Yeah. Hey, that Literally is what, grounded. That is what I grew up on, and I turned out kind of messed up, but for <laughs> other reasons, not because of the mac and cheese and dirt. Mac and cheese and dirt sounds like a good name for a restaurant. Should we do that? Um, or an indie band name. Like, what was it? Depressed pasta? Uh, anxiety pasta. Anxiety <laughs> pasta. <laughs> 
when I get anxious, I make big, big, big batches of really bad pasta. <laughs> like, it's just... You said that like a flex. And it's, we've coined it, anxi- my anxiety pasta. Carbs are good. To be fair, yeah, they're carbs. And on that note, what was... I was trying to desperately think of a good rhyme. No carbs and no mobs this year, guys. <laughs> That's all I could get to. And I was like, no. Carbs instead of mobs. Carbs, carbs, carbs instead of mobs. Carbs instead of mobs is our 2020 anthem. That's Anxiety Pasta's first song. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode and we will be back soon. If you've enjoyed listening to Pros Before Hoes, please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Otherwise, we'll have no idea.